This is LCM. Pronounced local. Oh, living a creative life. I'm Rawat Majdi. And I'm Muhammad Sirul. We're creatives talking to creatives about what it means to be a creative. So get ready for some delicious conversations and awesome takeaways so that you can maximize your own creative life. Today we have Hanan Shahrzada. She is a teacher by day and by night, either marking papers, having conversations, or binge-watching shows. Welcome to LCL, Hanan. How are you doing? Thank you. I am good. How are you guys? We are super excited to have you, Hanan. Uh, we want to hear all about what you do as a teacher. I know that you're also co-founder of Inspirational Hangout. We'd love to hear about what you do. So, Hanan, what do you do exactly? Thank you for having me. I'm so, so excited to be here. So I am a teacher. I teach grade one. So that's basically where all my energy and time goes into. But I also spend a lot of time doing things for Inspirational Hangout, which is a space for discussions. Um, so that's basically sort of my life. What is Inspirational Hangout? Can you give us more information on that? Yes, so Inspirational Hangout is just a space dedicated to having topics about uh, different things that are relevant to our society. I'm a big fan here. Yeah. Of <laughs> We've been to a few of them. Yeah, I've been to discussions that you guys are doing, uh, putting a lot of effort in it. I love the energy. I love Thank you. all you guys are doing. Thank you. And then I'm a teacher too. I used to teach grade one through five uh, ICT, which is information technology. And grade one are like the most wiggly, I have to say. Like they will not sit down. They will not pay attention. <laughs> They're not excited for anything except putting their hands on stuff. Um, what are your experiences with that? They definitely do put their hands on stuff. I agree. Um, and <laughs> But no, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of energy work. Because I first had experience with grade four, five, and six. And then when I moved into grade one, it was a whole different world. And I was, at first I was really taken back. I was scared that they're going to be so needy and um, whiny. And mind you, they are, but you grow to love it. Mm. Um, I think grade one, there it's the, that foundation year. They have so much potential. Um, so like right now, my kids, I, I love them. They, they are everything. And I'm learning so much from them. Mainly patience, but I'm learning a lot. One thing that I have noticed about grade one is that there's this um, idea that they have that they're too young and that they don't have the ability or the capacity to do a lot of things when it comes to being responsible or when it comes to having intellectual conversations or even doing things on their own. But as a teacher, when you have that belief in them and you have this idea that no, they can and I will give them the tools and I will do whatever I can to make sure that they do. Uh, then that just becomes my focus. So academically and, and other aspects in my class, um, we do a lot of uh, circle time and a lot of conversations. I'll just tell you guys a very short story. So in March, when it was you know International Women's Day and Women's Month and all of that, um, we did a whole week where we um, just, I read them stories about different women who did a lot of great things um, for, the, for us, for society, for the world. And, and it was really interesting because I had a lot, of boy, a lot of the boys that were like, what about the boys and what about us? And I'm like, yes, exactly. We're both equally important. And that's the whole point that I'm trying to tell you guys. So at the end of the week, we did a little art activity and there was a quote that went with the art and it was a picture of a bird and it was all cute and pretty. 
And at the bottom, there's a quote, and I'm totally paraphrasing the quote that said that the world of humanity is like a bird. And the wings are men and women. And until the wings can equally uh, fly and operate the same, the world of humanity cannot progress. Now, the concept of the world of humanity is that that's pretty deep. Those are deep words. So I was like, okay, let me read it with my grade one kids. Are they going to get it? Are they not? So we sat down, I read it to them, and I'm like, if you understand this quote, well, first I have to explain what a quote means, but I'm like, if you understand what I'm reading, raise your hand. Almost everybody did. And I'm like, okay, let's see where this is going. So I'm like, all right, who can explain it to me? And like I was, I was even surprised that they were able to explain this quote and the concept of the world of humanity and the bird and equality of men and women, just like like you and I would. That's, and they're six. That's amazing. That so, really is amazing. Your your concept of like, okay, these students have this kind of idea that they're young, so they're not responsible, so they don't have to do things. Reminds me of Ali Hassan's episode. Do you remember how he was talking about learned helplessness? Yeah. How we have a tendency to teach our kids to kind of feel this way. Like, I am too young. I'm not responsible enough. I can't do that. Um, and then the parent just takes it from them. I think we definitely do have this issue. Have you seen a lot of that lately or in your teaching? I have. I think you see it a lot, especially in the beginning of the year. A lot of, no, but I can't and no, but I won't. And I don't know how. I don't know how. I get that all the time. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. What do you mean I don't know how? Are you telling me you don't know how to do this? Or you, you are willing to learn or you don't want to learn? Like, what, what does that really mean? So again, I think when you talk to them as um, humans that are willing to learn and that are willing to have that capacity to do more, they'll, they'll take it all in. They'll take it all in. When I was a kid, I guess that, you know, when I remember that I used to go to school and only think about what's, what's the next homework I'm going to get. You get what I'm saying? Very academic kind of like thing that school only for homeworks and that's it. So for you just telling me that actually you can as a teacher or as a parent talk in a very intellectual, deep, um, you know, thoughts and ideas, that's very interesting. To break so, down a concept like, okay, why do you feel like you're not responsible enough? Or why do you feel like you're young enough? And having them actually explain themselves. I think a lot of times we talk to kids and we tell them do this, this and that. Or we let them behave in whatever way they want to behave without asking them to explain themselves. I think once you break down that thought, then there's something behind that. Like, okay, like wait, I do have actual like reasons behind my actions, what are these reasons? And the funny thing is, is that I realize that people reach their 20s and they don't actually look at their actions. They don't actually think about their actions. And I think it's because they're not taught. They're not taught to do any of that. Like a lot of my kids, when, they, when they're angry, obviously they push and they say bad words. So we try a different strategy. I'm like, well, if you're angry, find a different way to express it. Write about it. Go draw a picture. And they do. They, they write cute little letters like, dear blah, blah, I am so angry with you right now and so on. And, and again, it, it might or might not make them feel better, but they're learning slowly how to express themselves. And I think that's very, very important. Can you talk to us more about this? Like the... the uh the experience of letting kids expressing their like thoughts or ideas or like maybe a creativity in a way. Yes. Um, okay. So one thing I will say is that I teach art as well. 
I'm not an artist, so I'm not very good at arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the things that I do is I sort of teach the concept and I let them express themselves however they can. So an activity that I once did that a friend of mine once told me about was, so we have arts, art class, and I asked them to draw a house. Mm. So then they draw a house. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now draw a house, but I want it to look different. And they're like, wait, what? Because all they know is like the square with the triangle on the top. So then they're like, okay, now I need to really think about how else can I draw a house? So that takes that, like, I feel like that expands a part of their brain that they haven't like explored before. So they're not thinking of how else can I draw a house? Or I ask them to draw a car. They draw like the usual car. And then I'm like, okay, now I want you to draw a different car, another way to draw a car. So these things, again, it's art. But then you're also bringing in the concept of expanding their minds and thinking way outside of the box, which I think is very important with little kids. Can I add something on that? Um, something I've read, like you know, when you read stories for kids, mm-hmm. as they are kids, you think that you need really need to to uh, read the kids' kind of stories that very minimum, like uh, the bare minimum of mm-hmm. words and ideas and concepts. And uh, this guy that I've read online, I was like, I think it's just a, a post in Reddit. He did something with his kid where he started reading philosophy and big books and big ideas when he was like, his kid six four years. So see that he didn't like expect his kid to, you know, to be like, Oh, I believe this and blah blah blah. You know, <laughs> of course, yeah. You know, and, and would actually be able to reply, but giving the kid a chance or things absorb as much as you give him or her as a kid and then maybe 10, 15 years after this thing gonna gonna come out differently. I think though I would really love to ask this question. I'm wondering what both of you guys think about this. When we do feed our kids something like philosophy, let's say, like when I say feed, I mean like give them this kind of input, like you said, um, how much of their childhood is being taken away? And I know that we're going into like extreme mm-hmm. extremes because what you're talking about, Hanan, here is like, okay, let's have them think about something different. Um, than the norm that they see every single day or have them explain themselves or have them look at something else rather than behaving in whatever way is their next reaction. But what happens if we go into extremes, if we like kind of push our kids into becoming little adults? Is this a proper, healthy way to be? I'm just wondering. The teacher first. (laughs) I think... I think, again, like everything needs to be done in modesty. And I know a lot of times when I do talk about deep concept with the kids, um, there have been some feedback where they're like, oh, but they're just kids. They don't need to worry about these things or they don't need to know about these things. Let them be. And I think it, it all goes down to, you know, you can read 20 minutes for your kid just that night before he sleeps. And that's still okay. That still will do something. Even if it's a philosophy book or something deep, it'll still do something. But... I do think that, you know, it's just like a plant. If you don't nurture it and if you don't give it those opportunities when it's just growing, it's going to kind of... Wilt? Yes, it's going to grow, like, not straight. It won't be straight when it's growing. Mm-hmm. Grow crooked. Um, yes, yeah. it will be crooked. Yeah. Um, and then when it, you know, it gets tall and old, it's just, it's too late. That's just how it's, that's just how it is. And a lot of times you try fixing it or you try fixing the plant and it might be too late. Um, but I do think 
modest, you know, doing everything modestly, but I think it's important. I would, I would actually, I, I really like your answer that, you know, it's like in modesty, but um, I would, I would actually think that even like if you're going to push the kid towards something in a healthy way, I'm not like, you know, in a crazy way, it's, it's going to lead to something like unique. And I, uh, I remember this video, uh, a series of videos uh, by a musician on YouTube. Um, his name is Rick Biro. And he talks about how he developed a pitch-perfect tone you know, recognition for his kid. And the ex- say experiment um, is like he used to play music for this kid all the time. All the time. Right? From, like, I'm talking about from age zero, okay? And he's not like, playing any music. All the complex music, like jazz, you know, rock, blah, 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 you know, anything. Uh, like, he, he, plays, he plays it for this kid as, like, like, and he's growing up listening. You know, he can't really understand what kind of music is this or what kind of input uh, is this. But he turned out to have a kid who can recognize recognize any tone blindly. So, the pitch of it. Yeah. So this is this is goes back to the idea of actually feeding your kid ideas that might be way bigger than him or her, you know, in order for maybe like 10, 15 days, this information will be uh, transcripted. No? Like I in, don't know what you're trying to say. You have like to keep going. <laughs> like decoded? In 10, 15 days? 15 yeah, years. You didn't say years. I didn't? No, I said days. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I actually meant uh, 10, 15 years, this information can have become with a meaning. Hmm. It will manifest itself. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it'll, it'll be transcripted, decoded into some kind of beautiful growth as you mentioned the metaphor of like the tree growing um okay that's interesting i think that this is giving me a lot of thinking like i'm thinking a lot about this it's a lot to chew on because i think that there is a kind of sense of like okay i need to get my kid in everything this my kid needs to be uh, a poet and a pianist and a violinist and he needs to play soccer like I feel like there is this kind of like there's some kind of parents out there who throw them into a lot of different things but oftentimes and this I think you mentioned it um, oftentimes what they do is that they're throwing them into a kind of like a learning experience that is like okay m- memorization but in a different way like learning to play the piano sometimes can be just learning how to move your fingers across keys. You're not actually taking in the actual learning. I think that there is different ways to learn. And one of the ways that you would end up learning is like just memorizing the specific movement or even soccer. If you don't actually have a passion for what you're playing in, in football or soccer, like you're just learning how to kick the ball a specific way. Yeah, I, I agree because I think that there's... There's so many, like, there's a difference between I want my kid, like, I want my kid to learn how to just play different things as opposed to I want to expose my child to um, try different things. So it's like, what are you really teaching your kid? Are you teaching them to just learn how to play soccer? Or are you teaching them that, no, I want you to experience different things and see what you like. 
So I think again, it's how we approach it and how we choose to kind of. When you t- when you talk about exposing, mm-hmm. is it have to be like an action or by words? As a teacher, what do you think? You're in the classroom all yeah. day, four walls. See, unfortunately, in a classroom, I can only do by words mm. and by videos and by pictures, which is very unfortunate. Um, uh, so a lot of times the limitations are within the four, four walls because as a teacher, I'm only exposed to so much or there's so much I can do because, um, again, we work within a curriculum. Um, so, again, you know, there are two types of education. You have the academics, which is, you know, my job as a teacher. I provide the academics uh, side of education. We got the books, we got the writing, we got everything down, the sciences and the maths. Um, but then there's another important side of education, which is moral education or the skill-based education. And I think teachers can do so much of that. But then at the end of the day, if you think about it, I can start something with the kids or have them think of things differently or teach them responsibility and empathy and all these things. But it all goes back to home mm. and the community. Um, I see them only nine months of the year for just like the morning, the, the first seven, eight hours. The rest is their community, their families, their parents, and it all goes back to that. So I think that the concept of education is not just, or it shouldn't be just within a school. It should be a, a family or community-oriented concept. We should all understand the importance of not just the academics, not just the homeworks or you know read a book and then go to bed, but also what is my role as a parent or what is my role as an, as an auntie, as a brother, as a sister, that I can also nourish that moral side of their education. So mm. kind of like the school of life. They also need exactly. to be students in the school of life. Okay, I like that a lot. Um, okay, let's say I was a parent and I asked you, I'm like, okay, my kid is doing great in academic, academically. They're, you know, getting hundreds, they're reading a lot, but I'm kind of worried about their actual experiences, like their moral um, learning. How can I push my kids to have better experiences or what would you recommend as a teacher? I think the best part of that is that the only way that kids can actually learn something is if you model it for them. And I think that's actually the learning side of all of this. I can't teach my kid to not be judgmental if I am judgmental. Hmm. So then this becomes also a learning opportunity for the parents as well. So an advice that I would give them is that you need to go into a community and do more. Thankfully, in Kuwait, there's so much happening from beach cleanups, from food drives. There's so much happening. Have your kids be involved in that because that teaches them how I can give back to my community and being responsible. And, oh, wait, there are other people that don't have the privileges that I have. And the only way the kid can see that is if I, as a parent, I'm modeling it for them as well. Beautiful. And then your explanation of um, kind of having your kids go through different experiences and modeling things for your kids is reminding me of being a kid myself. My dad had this thing where he would put us into situations and experiences where we would be like literally freaking out as kids, like, oh my God, I don't want to do this. But he would push us there because he knows that these kind of experiences um, shape us as who we are. Um, And we cannot grow unless we are put under really extreme pressure. And I think a lot of parents don't actually see that. Um, again, this takes me back to Ali Hassan's um, episode where he was talking about learned helplessness and he was saying things like parents do things for their kids and don't allow their kids to do things. So, yes, I would say model. 
I definitely um, uh, agree with you there, but also have your kids be there and do those things as well. So going back to what I was saying about my dad, I remember distinctly of a time where my dad had my brother, like he literally forced him to go into a into a baqala and be like, okay, I need this one thing. I don't even remember what it was. Maybe it was water. Well, my, my brother, he was like maybe 10 and he was crying. He did not want to talk to a stranger. He did not want to speak. Um, my brother is amazing and like super charismatic now. But back then, my dad was putting him under this really intense pressure of like, oh my God, I'm scared. I can't do this. And my dad made him do it. And I think I didn't understand the importance of that back then, but... I seriously see the 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 value of doing things like that. Maybe your kid will hate you for like an hour, but then they get the ice cream that they ask for, you know? Like Exactly. I think that's really important. These kinds of experiences are important. So I I'm love totally this metaphor, on board with you know. You. I love that metaphor. Ice cream? The ice cream at the end. Yeah. Or like risk it to take the biscuit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> risk it for Got the biscuit. Risk it. Yeah. <laughs> biscuit. I don't think kids get that. They don't get the risk it for the biscuit. They just want the biscuit. They don't want to risk it. Um, well, that's true that's well, what, that what was it like, is there's like a, an experiment where they uh, oh the marshmallow the, the marshmallow where they tell the kids like it's a video and they tell the kids okay I'm gonna give you this marshmallow now if you can wait I think it's like 10 minutes I will give you a marshmallow after those 10 minutes because yeah an extra one most of the kids eat the marshmallow they don't want to wait for the second marshmallow but some of the kids like sit there really patiently and they're like okay i'll i'll wait for the second but marshmallow the, and it's so cute <laughs> but the concept of the, the concept of the the experiment is they they kept watching this kid 20 years after and they have noticed that the kids who actually waited for the extra marshmallow became more successful really They're like yeah they have ex- excelled in life and and so kids always wait for the marshmallow and we talk about like now we're talking about the the instant gratification and 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 yeah 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 um that was beautiful you know like um hanan um i'm sure that you do a lot of things more than teaching and like inspiration hangout mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're right and you I write. do write. I do. You write, but I haven't seen anything you've ever written. No, no one has. Nobody has. Nobody has. Why? No. Um, I think writing is such a beautiful thing. I think there's so many beautiful writers and poets out there. Um, shout out to Rawa. Oh, thank you. I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Um, but I think for me, it's such a personal thing. And I know we've spoken about this before. It's just so raw. Like when people are going through something and they're putting down their emotions, it's just when you're reading it, it's just so raw and it's just so authentic that I think personally for me, I'm not ready or I don't know if I'll ever be to have people be exposed or be part of that side of me. I tend to always just keep it all in. And I think it's been working for me. That's sort amazing. of. That's amazing. I well, get you. you shouldn't be creating for the sake of, you know, exposure. Like, I, don't, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with creating for the sake of exposure. I think that every creative has a different reason mm. for creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're always going to be in this kind of conversation of like, okay, I'm cre- am I creating for exposure? Am I creating for an audience? Am I creating for myself? Some people create for themselves. And I think it's a beautiful kind of action to do. And I think it becomes more of self-care. 
in this sense, rather than a creative craft or some kind of habit that you want to to show with the world. Like sometimes it's just between you and yourself, and that's fine. Um, when I was in high school, that's what I was doing. I would literally just write for myself, and I would not share with a single person. I think it's uh, I think with art, it's so beautiful because whether you're doing it for exposure or for yourself, it's a motivation. It's all motivation, and we're all just being motivated to do or create something beautiful out there. Um, also, another thing that I'm very excited and I'm, you know, I've been a part of since I was probably 16 or 17 myself, it's this program which sort of ties in with education. It's called the Junior Youth Spiritual Empowerment Program. So it's a it's an empowerment program, but more so spiritually. And it's for um, younger youth between the ages of 11 to 15. And usually when you hear that age, you're like, oh my God, teenagers, they're too much and they're going through changes. And that's the whole point of this program that you know they have so much energy and they're so moody and so many changes happening in their life and they don't know what to do with it and they have so many questions and they don't know what to do so the whole point of this program is okay how can i have them get this energy out and actually do good with it in the world so again ties back with education i think we all have so much in us that we want to do or the kids that have the potential to do we just need to give them the tools we need to talk with each other and see what's the best way what can we do beautiful Hanan it was really great to have you I really appreciate you explaining to us the differences between academic between the four walls kind of learning and then the experience-based learning Um, beautiful ideas thank you so much thank you so much for having me this was wonderful guys thank you so much thank you so much thank you